Welcome to day number 16 of the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake, and I am super pumped that you are back here with me, my friends. We are going to start our reading today in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 32, verse 13 through chapter 34 through verse 31. And if you remember, yesterday we were left on a cliffhanger uh, in which Jacob was reaching out to his brother Esau. Definitely bad blood between them. In fact, the last time that uh, we saw Esau, he was ready to kill Jacob. Uh, Jacob fled and spent 20 years with his uncle Laban. He thought, you know, 20 years has passed. Surely my brother Esau is not so mad at me anymore. Uh, So he reaches out to his brother Esau when he's coming back into the area. And uh, in his letter, he says, I am hoping that you will be friendly with me. And then Esau responds by saying, I'm coming and I'm bringing 400 men with me. Uh, So Jacob is terrified. And Jacob prays, God, you've given me everything. I know I don't deserve it, but I'm asking again, will you rescue me from my brother Esau? And uh, he prays, but he also devises a plan. He divides his herds and everything he has in half, and he sends one half one way and one half the other way, hoping that Esau will have to choose between the two. And if he attacks one, um, uh, Jacob will still have half of his heard. So what's going to happen? How's God going to respond? Is God going to respond? Verse 13, it says, Jacob stayed where he was for the night. Then he selected these gifts from his possessions to present to his brother Esau. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 200 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 male donkeys. He divided these animals into herds and assigned each to a different servants. Then he told his servants, Go ahead of me with the animals, but keep some distance between the herds. He gave these instructions to the men leading the first group. When my brother Esau meets you, he will ask, Whose servants are you, and where are you going? Who owns these animals? You must reply, They belong to your servant Jacob, but they are a gift for his master Esau. Look, he is coming right behind us. Jacob gave the same instructions to the second and third herdsmen and to all who followed behind the herds. You must say the same thing to Esau when you meet him and be sure to say, Look, your servant Jacob is right behind us. Jacob thought I would try to appease him by sending gifts ahead of me. When I see him in person, perhaps he will be more friendly to me. So the gifts were sent on ahead while Jacob himself spent that night in the camp. Now, um, let me pause here. Men, this can be a good strategy for your marriage. If you know your wife is upset with you, what you can do is just send a whole bunch of gifts ahead of you, and sometimes that helps. But sometimes it does not help at all. So we're going to see if it works for Jacob with his brother Esau. Verse 22. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives and his eleven sons, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Ouch. That hurts. I can speak from first hand. I have had a dislocated hip. It is the worst pain I've ever experienced in my entire life. And that's what happens here to Jacob. Verse 26. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. 
For he said, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Even today, the people of Israel don't eat the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip. What in the world is going on here? This is um, a interesting text. So let me give you a couple of perspectives. Uh, and, and then really, I want to talk about what I think the point of the text is. But it's one of those weird things I just have to stop and, and try to give some perspectives to. I don't have the answer. And honestly, we won't probably have the answer until... Uh, Jesus tells us, but there are some that are kind of satisfying to me to think about. Uh, number one is some people would believe that this is uh, a Christophany, which means an Old Testament picture of Jesus. So there's some times when scholars believe Jesus showed up in the Old Testament. We'll see him as we read uh, throughout the scriptures. Um, one of the most famous ones is uh, when King Nebuchadnezzar throws three men into the fire, and uh, then there's a fourth man in the fire with them, and they come out. And they don't even smell like smoke is a really famous thing that a lot of people say. Now, you went through fire, and you don't even smell like smoke. Well, that comes from the story of when Nebuchadnezzar threw these three men in, and there's a fourth man in there with them. That's a Christophany. We believe uh, that that would have been Christ in the Old Testament. Uh, and this is an example of a Christophany uh, as well, many scholars believe. Uh, so this, this could be Jesus wrestling with Jacob, and you might say, now how God lose a wrestling match to Jacob? Well, in a sense, Jesus took on flesh, uh, and so he took on, if you, if you remember Philippians chapter 2 tells us in the New Testament, I don't know why I said you remember, we haven't got to that part yet, um, but in Philippians chapter 2 it'll tell us that uh, Jesus did not see his divinity as something to be exploited. So when he took on humanity, uh, he did not use his godly powers to his advantage. He, he was 100% man, while also being 100% God, something we can't comprehend. So there is a sense in which Jacob could win a wrestling match with Jesus because Jesus was just a man while also being 100% divine. So that's a possibility. Uh, another possibility is that this is an angel. Uh, another possibility is um, that there is something called the divine council where um, there's these lowercase g gods. Um, and we'll get to that as we read through the Psalms who see some of that. Um, whatever the case might be here, uh, the point is, is Jacob uh, says, I'm going to hold on to you until you bless me. And I think this is something we really need to learn in our own lives, um, is that we, we need God to bless us. And Jacob is uh, in so much faith to that. Like he just, he knows I cannot let go of this until I'm blessed by God. I have to be blessed by God. I need God. And so Jacob, for all of his mess-ups, the redeeming quality Jacob has, the quality we are to see in Jacob, the reason I believe he is so messed up and the Bible only shows us this one thing he does right is because it wants us to emulate it, and that is faith. He really believes God is going to do it, and he knows he has no hope if God doesn't do it. This is the same faith you and I are to have, friends. We cannot do it on our own. We are broken without the good news of Jesus. We need him to fix us. We need him to bless us. Because otherwise, we are sinners, and sinners destined for death and to cause death for those around us. We need Jesus to make us clean and to show us the pathway into life. We need to hold on to him and say, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. How, do we, how does Jesus bless us? He pays for the penalties of our past sins by living a perfect life and dying on the cross for them. He gives us power through the Holy Spirit to live a life of transformation 
and missional work. And he one day promises that we will be freed from the presence of sin completely and totally, which gives us a great hope in our now. We have purpose in our today. We have no fear over what is to come tomorrow because of what Jesus has done for us. Chapter 33, moving on. Verse 1. Then Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and his two servants' wives. He put the servant wives and their children at the front. Hmm, kind of a coward move there. Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. Then Jacob went on ahead. As he approached his brother, he bowed to the ground seven times before him. He's really trying to suck up here. Verse 4. Then Esau ran to meet him and embrace him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. Then Esau looked at the women and children and asked, Who are these people with you? These are the children God has graciously given to me, your servant, Jacob replied. Then the servant wives came forward with their children and bowed before him. Next came Leah with her children, and they bowed before him. Finally, Joseph and Rachel came forward and bowed before him. And what were all the flocks and herds I met as I came? Esau asked. Jacob replied, They are a gift, my lord, to ensure your friendship. My brother, I have plenty, Esau answered. Keep what you have for yourself. But Jacob insisted, No, if I have found favor with you, please accept this gift from me. And what a relief to see your friendly smile. It is like seeing the face of God. Please take this gift I have brought you, for God has been very gracious to me. I have more than enough. And because Jacob insisted, Esau finally accepted the gift. Wow, <laughs> that worked out even better than Jacob was ever imagining. God continues to show Jacob so much favor. Verse 12, Well, Esau said, Let's be going. I will lead the way. But Jacob replied, You see, my lord, that some of my children are very young, and the flocks and herds have their young too. If they are driven too hard, even for one day, all the animals could die. Please, my lord, go ahead of your servant. We will follow slowly at a pace that is comfortable for the livestock and the children. I will meet you as here. All right, Esau said, but at least let me assign some of my men to guide and protect you. Jacob responded, that's not necessary. It's enough that you've received me warmly, my lord. And see, Jacob is still not so sure about this. Is Esau being serious or is he not? Verse 16. So Esau turned around and started back to Seir the same day. Jacob, on the other hand, traveled to Succoth. There he built himself a house and made shelters for his livestock. That is why the place is called Succoth, which means shelters. Later, having traveled all the way to Padamaram, Jacob arrived safely at the town of Shechem in the town of Canaan. There he set up camp outside the town. Jacob bought the plot of land where he camped from the family of Hammer and the father of Shechem for 100 pieces of silver. And there he built an altar and named it El Ehloriel Israel. Chapter 34. One day, Dia, the daughter of Jacob and Leah, went to visit some of the young women who lived in the area. But when the local prince, Shechem, son of Hamer the Hivite, saw Dina, he seized her and raped her. But then he fell in love with her, and he tried to win her affection with tender words. He said to his father, Hamer, Give me this girl, I want to marry her. Soon Jacob heard that Shechem had defiled his daughter, Dina. But since his sons were out in the field herding his livestock, he said nothing until they returned. Hamer, Shechem's father, came to discuss the matter with Jacob. Meanwhile, Jacob's sons had come in from the field as soon as they heard what had happened. They were shocked and furious that their sister had been raped. Shechem had gone and done a disgraceful thing against Jacob's family, something that should never be done. Hammer tried to speak with Jacob and his sons. My son Shechem is truly in love with your daughter, he said. Please let him marry her. In fact, let's arrange other marriages too. You give us your daughters for our sons, and we'll give you our daughters for your sons, and you may live among us. The land is open to you. 
settle here and trade with us, and feel free to buy property in the area. Then Shechem himself spoke to Dina's fathers and brothers. Please be kind to me and let me marry her, he begged. I will give you whatever you ask. No matter what dowry or gift you demand, I will gladly pay it. Just give me the girl as my wife. But since Shechem had defiled their sister, Dina, Jacob's sons responded deceitfully to Shechem and his father Hamer. They said to him, We couldn't possibly allow this because you're not circumcised. It would be a disgrace for our sister to marry a man like you. But here's a solution. If every man among you will be circumcised like we are, then we will give you our daughters, and we will take your daughters for ourselves. We will live among you and become one people. But if you don't agree to be circumcised, we will take her and be on our way. Hammer and his son Shechem agreed to their proposal, which is amazing. I mean, what in the world is going on here? Verse 19, Shechem wasted no time in acting on this request, for he wanted Jacob's daughter desperately. Yeah, I would say so. Shechem was a highly respected member of his family, and he went with his father Hammer to present the, this proposal to the leaders at the town gate. These men are our friends, they said. Let's invite them to live here among us and trade freely. Look, the land is large enough to hold them. We can take their daughters as wives and let them marry ours. But they will consider staying here and becoming one people with us only if all of our men are circumcised just as they are. But if we do this, all their livestock and possessions will eventually be ours. Come, let's agree to their terms and let them settle here among us. So all the men in the town council agreed with Hammer and Shechem, and every male in the town was circumcised. I don't know how they got a unanimous decision on that. This is obviously my interjection. I'm wondering if they didn't know what circumcision was before this. Like, I, I don't know how you get all 100% of the men to agree. It must, must have been a really good deal in their mind. Verse 25. But three days later, when their wounds were still sore, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, who were Dina's full brothers, took their swords and entered the town without opposition. Then they slaughtered every male there, including Hammer and his son Shechem. They killed them with their swords, then took Dina from Shechem's house and returned to their camp. Wow. This is a heavy text. Meanwhile, the rest of Jacob's sons arrived. Finding the men slaughtered, they plundered the town because their sisters had been defiled there. They seized all the flocks and herds and donkeys, everything they could lay their hands on, both inside the town and outside in the fields. They looted all their wealth and plundered their houses. They also took their little children and wives and led them away as captives. Afterward, Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have ruined me. You have made me a stink among all the people of this land, among all the Canaanites and Prazerites. We are so few that they will join forces and crush us. I will be ruined and my entire household will be wiped out. But why should we let them treat our sister like a prostitute, they retorted angrily. Evil for evil never works out, my friends. But that is where we are at the end of our Old Testament reading. So let's wait for tomorrow to see how that story continues. Matthew chapter 11, verse 7 through 30. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed, swayed by every breath of the wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, of all the people who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist, yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. 
And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and violent people are attacking it. For before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses looked forward to this present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah, the one the prophets said would come. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. To what can I compare this generation? It is like children playing a game in the public square. They complain to their friends, we played wedding songs and you didn't dance. So we played funeral songs and you didn't mourn. For John didn't spend his time eating and drinking, and you say he's possessed by a demon. The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he is a glutton and a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles, because they hadn't responded of their sins and turned to God. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in the wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. I tell you, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. And you people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of the dead. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in the wicked Sodom, it would still be here today. I tell you, even Sodom will be better off on Judgment Day than you. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think of themselves wise and clever, and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Moving on to our Proverbs of the day, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. By wisdom the Lord founded the earth. By understanding, he created the heavens. By his knowledge, the deep fountains of the earth burst forth, and the dew settles beneath the night sky. Our psalm of the day is Psalm 14. For the choir director, a psalm of David. Only fools say in their hearts, there is no God. They are corrupt, and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race, and he looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. But no, all have turned away, all have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. God, I um, know that this includes me. I am on my own corrupt. I do not do good. I pursue selfish desires. I pursue what I want. And um, Lord, it's why I'm grateful for your son, that I could place my faith in him, and by your grace be counted as righteous not because of my own righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Jesus. Verse 4. Will those who do evil never learn? They eat up my people like bread, and wouldn't think of praying to the Lord. Terror will grip them, for God is with those who obey him. Oh, Lord, give us what we need to obey you, because we know on our own we can't. Give us the grace uh, in Jesus to be obedient people to what you've called us to do. The wicked frustrate the plans of the oppressed, but the Lord will protect his people. Who will come from Mount Zion to rescue Israel? 
when the Lord restores his people, Jacob will shout with joy and Israel will rejoice. Lord, we shout with joy and we rejoice over your son Jesus and uh, what you've done through him for us. Uh, Lord, we rejoice for who you are. You are all-knowing. You are powerful. You uh, are good and gracious. You are just. And Lord, you are love. Lord, we thank you for this, and we rejoice in joy. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's reading. Uh, You can do so at blakefarley.org. Uh, or on Facebook, or wherever else you might come across this podcast. You might be listening way off into the future. And if so, um, you can leave a comment wherever you are finding this podcast. And uh, if I am still kicking, I will try to get back to you and uh, engage, because I really do believe that reading the Bible together is the way in which uh, the Bible can come the most alive to some of us, that reading it in community is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I hope that you'll be back here tomorrow for that same community as we jump into day number 17 tomorrow in our reading through the Bible Together journey.